I'm Christy Giuseppe, author of the Lightbringer series from twoguystalkingstarwars.com, and you're listening to the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Ready to conceive solutions to problems in an atmosphere free of political correctness? Find a new sense of purpose at wadesense.com. That's wadesense.com. Welcome, everyone, to Wade Sense, the podcast. I am your host, Wade B. Olson, the Sage of St. Louis. Across from me sits the inimitable Mr. Rassable, Mr. Mike Wilkerson. I have no idea what you just said, but hi, everybody. I'm here. <laughs> I forgot to throw in cryptic. <laughs> Mike's fun to talk to when you're texting him because I'm always, it's like a second thread going on, and I'm just trying to copy it and follow along. It's always fun. <laughs> Today, I have something, uh, I guess you could call it along the lines of taxi cab confessions. I had something happen on the 28th of December that I've not had a chance to talk about. Mike might have read about it on my Facebook page, mm-hmm. but I was in Old North St. Louis and I was shot at. Hmm. Yeah, I had just loaded up. Did you have your a... Trump hat on or what happened? Uh, no, I did not have my Trump hat on. I was just uh, driving along. I had just loaded up this family uh, about two o'clock in the morning, one of the worst neighborhoods in the city. And I've been through there before, so I guess you just start to get jaded after a while or mm-hmm. not really watch out. I drove about a block, and I heard a very loud bang off to my back right side, and I knew immediately what it was. It was a 9 millimeter, so I quick hit the gas. About a second or two later, there was another three, four quick shots, and one of them took out the back panel window, the very back one, and then the side passenger window right behind me. Hmm. It's like I, I didn't hear the bullet go by, but it, it was definitely I, – I, it, was, it was more than just glass shattering. It's like I knew something had gone through it. Mm-hmm. I took off like a bat out of hell. I'm mm-hmm. going past, I'm going through red lights, and I've got a mother, a teenage daughter, and two babies. And the two babies are in the back bench, and the mother is sitting behind me on my right. Thank God there's nobody, for whatever reason, behind me on the left. Uh, the mother starts freaking out. She's like three quarters drunk when I pick her up. The teenage daughter realizes what's going on, and she's like, Mom, just calm down. He's trying to get us out of here. So I'm flying through red lights, and I start. I immediately call the office because that's the first place I'm thinking about going because right away I know i got to get these people into another vehicle. It's freezing out, and I now have holes in here. And I call the office, and they're like, dude, call 911. I immediately call them, and I let them know where I'm from and where I'm going. I got there probably in about six, seven minutes. I didn't even realize how fast I was going. So I get there. The people are supposed to stay and, and be uh, witnesses, but at this point the mother is just – so out of it and and oh. frantic that uh, my my uh, supervisor's like never mind I'm taking her and then the cops show up and I do my little report with them and you know they're asking what did you see I saw nothing I saw nothing I saw nobody I don't know why this guy shot at me and he was shooting at me it wasn't I was caught in a crossfire or anything like that there was nobody on the street it's two o'clock in the morning it's freezing cold out probably was going to try and rob me I I don't know I've never had that happen. I take that back. I was one time I was again in North St. Louis, but not as far north. And I was driving along and I just had a couple of people in the car as well. And I heard a loud bang once again off to my right side. I took off. I took off about a block. And then I, I, I looked back. I hit the brakes and I looked back. There was nobody there. There was no one around whatsoever. But that shot sounded like it had gone off right by me. So it was either an actual firework or it was an honest to God uh, gun. I, I don't know to this day. Needless to say, this is hurrying up my departure from driving cab. I, I knew 
I, I had an almost indescribable calm come over me after the, the initial excitement of the accident. The only thing I can think of is that I know is that uh, my faith took over because the next day I woke up and I hadn't ran through this thing constantly in my head all night long. I, I, I wasn't as phased by it as any normal person would have been. Mm-hmm. But I, I knew two things. That one, I would get back in the cab again, which was crazy enough. But two, I was never going back in that neighborhood again, and I was and I was done. I, I in the next couple months, I'm going to make moves to do whatever I have to do to go do Uber, do food, deliver food. I, I don't care, but I, I I can't do this anymore. I can't yeah, drive well, around. I, I, I've been pushing the life lottery way too far. As sure. It is. I'm, I'm glad, well. First of all, I'm glad you weren't hurt. I'm glad no one in your in your cab was hurt. Yeah. Second is there was no accident. Somebody shot at your car. There's no there's no accident that's going on. Well, no, it could have been a crossfire. I could have been. It's it's possible that, but that wasn't the case because, like I said, it's two o'clock in the morning. There's nobody on the street. It's freezing cold. Okay. Well, anyway, I, I to classify what happened to you as an accident, I think is a kind of a a strange stretch. But <laughs> I'm so, glad you're okay. So you're saying that you think it was it was it was meant to happen. It was it was it was. What what is exactly what exactly are you saying? Well, if somebody's walking down the street and somebody shoots a gun at them. You uh-huh. think that's an accident? Did I say that I, that I thought it was an accident? Yeah, several times. As I'm speeding away from the accident. Oh, after I guess we that's, left the that's accident. Just, that's just the language. <laughs> yeah. No, it okay. was not. It was it was a shooting. I was okay. shot at. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. just used to normally saying accident. Yeah. <laughs> that's so, normally what I'm dealing with. I'm not yeah. dealing with people no, shooting there's, at there's me. Not, and that's the, again the the best part of what you're talking about is that you were at least calm, which is good. Yeah. Because most people are not. They're usually freaking out like Mama Bird here was, and that's not good enough. <laughs> it probably didn't help that Mama Bird was just <laughs> blasted, but whatever. What that brings me to is our initial topic. I was sitting waiting for the cops to come to uh, our office, and I'm just watching videos, and I came across something. And I know I've told you about uh, Prager videos before. Do you ever go on there and look at any of them? I, I've seen some of them. The, the bottom line is that they're too one-sided for me. I lean conservatively without question, mm-hmm. but I, I don't need someone to tell me what I'm thinking. Oh, okay. I personally like how they just spell things out and they manage to do it in five-minute shots, sure. that, which I think is probably better for American consumption to begin with. Sure. But anyway, I'm watching one, and it was a Prager video, and they were talking about how identity politics, which is already just ludicrous and racist, is now invading into the STEM fields, into the science, sure. teaching, and uh, yeah, okay. Engineering and math. Mm-hmm. Uh, engineering yep. and math. Uh-huh. Okay, and and- it was bad enough that they've just completely invaded the humanities and the social sciences. But when you start getting into the STEM fields and basically you're going to drop standards so that everybody can get in, people are now going to end up getting killed eventually for people just trying to lower the bar. And I had had it. I just sitting there and I'm just I'm starting to boil, not even thinking about what had just happened. But yeah, it started to boil, and it got me on to what it was that I wanted to talk about today. Our topic today is how to kill the social justice warrior movement. And I'm imagining the first thing I have to do is explain, if you don't know, what a social justice warrior is, because I, I really didn't. A social justice warrior is somebody who is just basically looking to be offended. They're looking for all of the triggers. They're looking for uh, whether you're uh, they think you're Islamophobic or homophobic or intolerant in any of the fields that they have a problem with. And they're going to make your life miserable. And this started on campus. The research that I found, and if anybody wants to uh, do any of this on your own, I went to uh, uh, Joe Rogan's experience, and he was talking to 
a guy by the name of Professor John Haight who wrote a book, Coddling the American Mind. I haven't read it yet. I am going to read it. Mm-hmm. But largely what he talked about is that him and this other gentleman, I can't remember his name escapes me, that helped write the book, started noticing in 2014 on campuses that uh, there were some very peculiar things that started to happen. There was what they called the call-out culture started to really rear its ugly head. Words that didn't exist before 2014, like trigger warnings, microaggression, safe spaces, and bias teams, that mm-hmm. they didn't exist before 2014. Right, right. At least they weren't focused on. Some of those words existed, but paired together and then used inside of a connotation as they are now. Right. I don't, I don't remember any of that before then. No, I didn't. And, and especially the whole term microaggression, which as soon as I heard it and then had someone explain it to me, I just... That got my hackles up. It's yeah. like, oh, come on, seriously. No, you, when people look for things to get offended about, I just don't have time for you. Right. And I know we're not going to swing in both directions with this, but I, I really do think that it does go in both directions. Hmm. This is a little bit of something that we talked about when we talked about bullying originally. Yeah. Where everybody thinks that bullying is only the people that are standing on the on the left-hand side slash progressive side of something, when in reality, that's not the case at all. Right. The, there can be bullies on any side. It's a matter of that, that, that smash and grab and smash in your face and smash, smash, smash in your face. Yeah. That's bullying. It doesn't make any difference what your perspective is, and anybody on either side can do it. I've never heard it referred to as social justice war- warrioring going the other way, but there are people on the right that are also looking to be offended. They're not nearly, they don't get nearly the attention span that someone that is, quote, a social justice warrior gets. Well, I think the people on the right also have tend to have um, a, a better sense of humor about the whole thing as well. I listen to a lot of comedians while I'm driving mm-hmm. around. Sure. Because one, I, I, I want to break into it. And two, comedians are really like the last troubadour in our society of being able to just say what is on everybody's mind to just to just tackle any subject in the vein of humor, but nonetheless, they're bringing things mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to talk about a comedian a little bit later in the show that uh, I've recently rediscovered that is the man was brilliant, hilarious, offensive, but brilliant. Sure. These kids have no sense of humor. They're, everything is, is serious to them and they can't take a joke. Which is why so many comedians now, weirdly enough, for the first time really probably in the history of, of, of stand-up comedians, aren't going to the college campuses. Most of the big names will not go to college campuses because these, they'll, they'll get a list of the things that they can't talk about, which is just absolutely insane. I mean, when you think about it anymore on TV, what's one about the only, sub, uh, only shows that you can think of anymore where pretty much anything is open game? I don't know, because I don't watch modern-day television anymore, frankly. South Park. South Park is about it is just they just expect okay well Matt and Trey are going to say it they're going to get away with it sure and it, it's ridiculous See, that that the, is just the, that one spot though yeah the the nuance of like the tenth year of the Simpsons I thought was just about bending the edge of what we were talking about and being able to able to say something mm-hmm. even though it was inside the cone of being said on quote a cartoon on on television right but th- that's that's about where I I could remember that it was still not not a free range. Mm-hmm. but an area someone could go into and say something that might and or was painted to offend somebody. Mm-hmm. And because the pacing of the show or because that show offends, it could they could get away with it. And it's not thought twice about. A little piece of the comedians that you're talking about, the reason that they also don't go there is mm-hmm. not only because of the management list that they'll get beforehand, right. but also because of 
the landscape, when you walk into a room and 90% of it are the people we're going to refer to today, mm-hmm. nobody wants to play in that room because nobody wants to get asked out 25 minutes into your set that you're going to get, hopefully get paid for. It's it's just like anything else, dude. If 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 someone said you can go and drive your cab, but you might not get paid tonight, well, would you bother driving a cab very much longer? No, of okay. course not. And it's exactly the same with comedians. You're absolutely right in that they used to go all the time to campuses and whatever else. But now both sides of the equation when you are a comedian mm-hmm. are now landmines with people like this. Yeah. Because you can't go in there and, and offend somebody because they're black or offend somebody because they have social justice warrior view leanings or they talk about Trump for five minutes or right. whatever it is. It's funny that you mentioned Rogan. I'm not sure if we'll get there or not, but there's another comedian. It was one of the little blurts that I, I heard huh. inside of one of his very – it's a short piece of one of the longerific interviews that he does with comedians that I traditionally don't watch. Right. Anyway, inside of that, it's a guy that was on a campus Mm -hmm. that 25 minutes into his set was asked to get off. Okay, well. Wait a minute. Was that that uh, was that that uh, Indian guy? I believe I, I believe think it so. was and he's talking about and how he said he's looking he, around. He knows comedy. The sound is going to be crap. Was, and, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's what I really got most out of that segment was that him being able to bring in the conveyance of the perspective of a comic. Right. Which a lot of people just think, you know, stand-up comics are just jackassery failures and some of them get famous because they're smarty or smart-assed and they can stand in front of a crowd and be smart No, and the good ones but, are the initial observers in oh, our society. absolutely. Without, w- without question. Yeah. And, and anybody that tells you we're going to talk about stand-up even more later on uh-huh. but anybody that tells you that stand-up is easy or somehow pulled off easy especially if you're just a smart ass anyway it's not no no <laughs> i would challenge you have anybody to be a student of human nature you know, it, it, it's not even so much that it it, it it is acting it just there's a difference between impromptu acting and stand-up comedianship mm-hmm. And most people think that those are just one and the same thing where here's a mic, make me laugh. Right. And a lot of times it's not like that. The guy that you're referring to, this Indian guy that was at this campus, is exactly the kind of person I'm talking about where he makes no bones. He'll walk up to somebody and go, look, I know comedy better than you do. Right. And I just, looking at this crowd and having heard a couple of comics before I got on stage, I thought, and he gives a perspective. Right. He he paints the atmosphere for you. Right. And he did did a great job of it. I thought it was a phenomenal that that little snippet made me want to go and watch the whole thing, which is the whole point of the snippets. Right, yeah, yeah. And I, I really enjoy that because the the stuff that he was talking about is very much akin to what we're going to talk about today. I did watch the whole thing. You should watch the whole thing. Okay. Okay, here's largely what happened and, and how we ended up where we were in 2014 and then 2015 where the whole social justice warrior movement just blew up on campus. Mm-hmm. The kids that were born in 95 right about uh, when they were in middle school, got social media. And it made a big change for them. About at the same time, in the late 80s, early 90s, for whatever reason, I think it was largely based upon the 24-hour news network, bad news was something that was constantly in your face. Mm -hmm. In this case, it was kids, some kids that had been snatched off of playgrounds or in their homes or whatever. And I'm going to say right now, my personal experience, this has been going on for what, all through sen- all, all, all through time. I remember early 70s. I'm in my front yard in Grand Forks, North Dakota, little bitty town, middle of nowhere. And I'm front, on my front yard playing, and these guys pull up. And I remember it was a, a tan four-door, some kind of a Chevy, something or other. Anyway, 
this guy asked me from the driver's seat, he said, if, if I wanted some candy. I'm a dumb, gullible kid. I've been gullible my whole life. And I started to say, sure. And then I heard his buddy on the other side say something about, I don't know, getting me or whatever. And at that point, I ran back in the house. Okay, so this is the middle of nowhere. Kids getting snatched is a reality. But what we all had, and you and I have talked about this, was free play. Going out and playing and just being gone and our parents not knowing where we were. Oh, what and, not, and not needing to care where we were either. Right, either. Exactly. It, it's not that my parents had an active disinterest in where no, I no, was. No, no, no. I wasn't I was trying to doing. get that across. It's no, just I, we all had that in common, even right. though I've got years on you. It, it, again, it's that atmosphere. It, mm-hmm. it, it's, it, it was a completely different atmosphere, as sure as you and I were wearing astronaut clothes. Yeah. It is. It, right. It, it's just the way that it is. Right, it was. And unfortunately, it needs to be again. But that was one of the trends that happened was is that these kids – their parents just overreacted when there was a huge overreaction across across the board. Kids didn't go outside and play anymore for fear of their their parents thinking that they were going to be snatched. And meanwhile, it's always been an infinitesimal amount that it ever happened. But what happened was with these kids, their childhood was traded for free play for uh, uh, social media and the Internet and, and computer games. By the time they get to college campuses, they really don't have the conflict, interdiction-type skills that they need that everybody else has had because they've all been playing in groups their whole life growing up. So they get there. At the same time that this is going on, things that had happened in... There'd always been political polarization between the two parties, but it was never that bad. By the time you get into the 90s and into the 2000s, it's now to the point where there's like open hate going on between the two of them. At the same time that this has happened, in the same period, college campuses, which traditionally anybody knows, have always pretty much leaned left. Still. Still, obviously. Well, it's obviously way worse now. By 2014, the social sciences, the humanities, are pretty much completely purified. It's nothing but left-leaning. These kids come into this environment of this this heightened political activism on campus, left-leaning, and for some reason, they're attracted to grievance studies. Out of this, mixed in with the social media, you end up with a group of kids that have developed, it's absolutely insane, but this, 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 this tattletale, this, this, this calling out culture. Whereas we would have been and raised to go up and, and talk to someone face-to-face about a problem that we might have, these kids are now reporting. a matter of fact, and this is the part that blows my way, and this is what I'm going to get into as far as the Wade Sense Cure and how to fix this. These kids requested their college campuses at uh, NYU, which is where this guy was talking about, Professor Haight, that in the bathrooms, there was a way that they can anonymously report their professors for saying things that they found offensive. Professor Haight said that all the time that he'd been teaching, there'd always been what they called a reasonable person type standard. If you had a problem with something, that you would go and you would talk to your professor about it. Not with these kids. With the calling out culture, it's a matter of prestige for them that they can call somebody out and get them for, oh, he's Islamophobic, he's homophobic, he's whatever 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 it is that they found offensive. In this particular instance, a professor was talking about how one of his colleagues, because he said, first off, he started getting many, many calls from his colleagues saying that he'd be, they were being reported for things that they said, just using it a metaphor, just an example. Is one, this one professor said that he had uh, said something, he'd gotten ex- frustrated trying to explain something to the kids, and he said, oh, just shoot me now. Somebody got offended, and somebody reported him for it. Professor Haight says that they'd always had this, this, this reasonable standard, and what now he found that he had to do, and his other colleagues as well, 
is that they have to lower their standards to the most sensitive person. Like, so if they've got 300 people in lecture bowl, they've got to try and, and, and lower their standards of teaching down to the least offensive. So they're not bringing up ideas that are thought-provoking or provoking in any way whatsoever. Well, it's, it's the neutering of thinking. Exactly. It's the coddling of the American mind. That's, yeah. that's how they... Well, that's why they. That's why they wrote this. The book. reason he didn't use neutering is because somebody clearly would have been offended <laughs> by using the word. But that's exactly what it is. No, it's, it is. It really and truly it, is. It's making sure that there can't be the then propagating of ideas and discussion, and only that there'd be a one-way discussion. I.e., if I just give them this round obelisk that has no pointed edges so that nobody gets hurt nor feels anything. Right. Then we'll get to the end of session today and I'll still have a job tomorrow. Yeah. And that that safe thinking is exactly why I didn't want to not go to college. I knew that going to college, especially inside of Wisconsin, was going to be a very, very liberal experience. I mm, knew that. Right. But it absolutely helped define what I knew I was believing and fostering. Ask you a question. When you were going to school, I'm sure that you went to school with people that you'd grown up with as well. Oh, it? and I still do. Okay. Uh, Dr. Mark, uh, who was in high school with me, is, is okay. here. Okay. He's so, here in St. Louis with me. So how many people did you see that entered college with the same mindset that you had and by the end of the process had been just indoctrinated into the left? Oh, none. In none? Fact, oh, no. that's fantastic. Zero. The, that's the, great. There, there, was no, there was no young Republicans group inside of Wisconsin for me. There, there was none no, of that. No, no, that's what I'm trying to say oh, okay. is that you entered, you entered college with pretty much your mindset now. You, you, you were conservative-leaning yeah. from the beginning, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What I'm asking is did people enter school with you with the same mindset that by the time they were done, they had been pretty much indoctrinated into the left? No, they were already in the left. Oh, they were already in the left. Yeah. Okay, so they didn't have the same mindset no, as you the, was entering college. No, in fact, for those that are completely unfamiliar with Wisconsin politics, Wisconsin politics— Well, I know uh, it's left. The vast majority. I yeah. mean, like forever. Right. And it, it, there are a variety of different reasons why, but mm. the, the the big ones are giant, giant, uh, higher end, secondary education. Mm-hmm. That's right. giant breeding ground. Right. But then also a whole bunch of union ship that's mm. inside of the state. Right. Yeah, I know exactly And that you goes. take that and then you start taking uh, Democratic governors and mayors and everything right. else and start sliding all of the chess pieces. Well, you, you inevitably go left. That changed for a period of time during the late aughts into the teens mm-hmm. where it, it has changed. But now it started to sway the other way now, which everything inside of politics is an ebb and flow most of the time. Yeah. Uh, you start getting onto the coast, though, and that goes completely out the window where there is no ebb and tide and there is this flush. Remember the push. jungle politics that I told you about in California? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Where there's yeah. just there's no choice. There's there's dumb and dumber. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that that's that, that's very interesting. I think that's great. But what I was trying to do is, and, and please, people, go and uh, find that uh, How Did the Social Justice Warrior Movement Take Over, I believe is what it's called. It's Joe Rogan. You'll find it. Oh, we'll uh, link Professor to it. Hate. We'll yeah. link to it in the show notes. We will. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because you'll get a little bit more than what it was that I'm talking about. I just wanted to paint a, bro- a brief picture. But here's, here's where we need to go. This, this needs to be the cure. This started on campus. The fight needs to go back to campus. In essence, quickly put, we need to tell these kids to shut up, sit down, and pay attention. Now, I'm going to go into more detail than that, but that's really largely what it is. When th- these, these are still children. I, I, I know that they're mostly over the age of 18, but who are they to control the thought process? They're there to learn. They shouldn't be, they, they shouldn't be forming an environment 
that and be allowed to form an environment, encouraged to form an environment that is going to end up basically hobbling them later in life. We all know if you get over a certain age that life is basically an ass-kicking session from beginning to end, and it's how you ride the wave, how you end up at the end. But if you come out of there and you think that life is supposed to be a bunch of safe spaces and that people are going to coddle you and enable you, then you're just going to end up going nowhere quickly. You'll you'll end up back at home, which has happened with a lot of these kids. Mm-hmm. I know that I've talked to you about this before, but I think part of the th- what needs to happen, this needs to be a united front. I think that... First and foremost, what we need to do is there needs to be an effort to contact all of the alumni of these schools and, one, let them know exactly what's going on. Because I'll bet there's still a large percentage that doesn't know what's happening on their alma maters. And then ask for their suggestions on how they think to fix the problem. Chances are that the solutions that they're going to come up with are the same ones that we've got in mind or that would be that would be put forward. There needs to be a nationwide policy of intolerance for intolerance. Simply put, this is a place for ideas, all ideas, and nothing is going to be shut down, and we're not going to tolerate that. Discourage the idea that kids are going to come there and try and set up this kind of environment. That they're, Discourage the idea of tattling on their professors for saying something that they find offensive. Right. Encourage them to go to the professors directly and say, I've got a problem with this. Can we discuss this? The calling out culture is not going to stop if it's encouraged to continue. Another thing as well, and what you saw on campuses were the, the protests and the violent protests that happened with students and then with the professors as well. Basically, some of them, some of the professors they found were actually in the uh, Antifa uh, organization, which I, I cannot believe. That should have been an immediate revoking of tenure and kicked off of campus. And that's where I want to go with this, is that kids should be allowed to protest, but not to the detriment of people who are coming to hear them speak. You know, you should, you'd be, you should be encouraged to stand up and ask questions But if you're going to stop people from speaking, if you're going to destroy property, if you're going to do anything other than peaceful protesting, that should come back on you. And depending upon the the degree of uh, the violence that you've installed on campus, you should be booted off and uh, your tuition should be revoked or or, uh, you shouldn't be able to get a refund. And to the point, if it's bad enough, you should be blacklisted that you can't even go to another school. We need to get back to, if you're going to be on, on, on the left, fine, if it's a classic liberal stance, whereas liberals have always said that I may disagree to the core what it is that you say, but I will defend you to the death to be able to say that. That's not the case with modern leftists. Modern leftists is like, I'm going to make sure that you can't speak, and I, I don't want to hear what you have to say, and I'm going to make sure that you can't speak. I think it's a little deeper than that. I think it's where they like to find... Again, to talk about atmospheres, they like to build the atmosphere where then there's then something to complain about and complain to the nth degree about whatever it is they're complaining about. Because it's, it's a righteous thing for them. Until the other person can't breathe. Yeah. And they just shut up and go away is what they're hoping for. I don't even think that. I think it's they they want you to stand there and take whatever they're dishing out and they don't want to have anything else to do with it. It's, it's not even about going away. It's just dishing it out in in their viewpoint, period, paragraph. There's 
There isn't anything else. It's almost like having a doctor and the doctor's trying to tell you that you have a disease and what it is that you need to do to cure it. But instead, you just scream at the doctor until it goes away and then you cheer because I won. And that's that's kind of along the lines what, what we're talking about. These are facts. Self, self-reflection is not a high point on both sides inside of the situation we're talking about. And that's the big problem is that there's not an instance where they can hit the pause button and then have some self-reflection to see exactly what's going on. You've seen this time and time again inside of the uh, Steven Crowder videos Mm -hmm. where there's some and they can play and they can talk and they can have a dialogue and you thumbs up and you go, wow, that's awesome. Right. But it doesn't happen very often because these kids will just scream at him and it's it's not even that. It's like he's not even there. There are a series of checkpoints that have to be reached inside the conversation. Mm-hmm. And if he or someone else that they're talking to doesn't reach them, right. they will then implement them. Yeah. And then walk the conversation and then stand there. I, I was just thinking about this as you as you broke into this conversation. Hmm. You, you've seen the picture where there's like it's this little girl that's maybe three or four years old. And she's she's got she's bent over kind of forward at the waist with her hands on her hips and she's kind of squinching her face at people. Yeah. Like, no, that's not right. I know exactly what's going on. Yeah. And what that Im- immediately made me think of, and I whipped open my computer, it's it's Lucy Van Pelt. <laughs> it's Lucy Van Pelt yeah. and Charlie Brown. Uh-huh. And the difference is that now many of the Charlie Browns of the world right. will not go and try and kick the football. Yeah, because just flag it's, up. It, it, you got you just look at it and you go, you got to be kidding me, really? Right. How many people are just spoiling for a fight of any kind? That If you ask me solutions, that's the solution. What is the solution? The, the solution is you just don't give them a playing field. The, the, but the, that's, the, but the Mike, that's basically what I'm saying, what, my, what my, my plan is for these campuses, is to just tell these kids flat out, you're not running things. The only thing that you're running is your mouth. Right, but what that traditionally will turn into is, because they'll say, so you're looking for differing viewpoints, just not mine. That's what they would say to what you just told me. But that's what I would say. It's like, no, I want to hear your viewpoint, but you will hear mine. And if you start to shout me down, you're leaving class. You're leaving campus. So if you and I have, and again, this is totally, uh, this is not something I did and or would advocate at all. Right. But if somebody says, oh, okay, so you want to have a meeting of the minds and a discussion of opinions, as long as they're not my opinions, right? Because you want me to go sit down in my chair and shut up for the entire quarter, right? Is that what you're telling me? No. What are you telling me then? Because maybe I'm misunderstanding. What I'm telling you that is that you're not going to be allowed to shout me down. I want to hear your opinion, but you will not shout me down as I give you mine. I can't give you my opinion because you have the hammer over me of giving me a bad grade, whether, regardless of what I do inside of your No, classroom. I'm not going to give you a bad grade. I'm just telling How you How do that I know it, that? Huh? How do I know that? Uh, and uh, again, I guess, I, I, You know what? At that point, there would have to be basically some kind of an agreement signed between professor and student. Maybe, uh, maybe some kind of a blanket thing across uh, campus. But the bottom line in, the bottom line <laughs> in is that kids are going to understand coming on campus that this is a place where you're going to run right. into different ideas. Right. There, there's and that a, if you can't stand that, then you need to go someplace else. There's another deeper vein that we need to strike also, and mm. it's that especially someone that does have tenure mm-hmm. who wants to say whatever they want, regardless of what stance they are. Right. And they can because they're tenured. See, that that that, that needs to go as well. Tenure, uh, I'm not in favor of anything where you can't lose your job because you're bad at it. Not, I don't not, care. Not, I don't care. Not only where. bad, it's about being outrageous. The the most recent sample of this that I can think of, and there are there are so many that I you and know, I couldn't say. Yeah. But the most recent one was the venerable uh, George Bush's wife. Yes. 
uh, she that, that, she that dies. nasty Medusa and, of a woman talking badly about and her that and she's dead. Insipid teacher slash yeah, professor right. slash tenured professor mm-hmm. at a school decides to say whatever she wants, however she wants, and then proudly right. displays that she is in tenure at so and so university. Right. Hey, yeah, it's like it's almost like yeah, yeah, yeah. you can't fire me. Well, it's 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 even worse than that. It's standing with middle fingers yeah, to everybody yeah, saying right, nothing, right? And essentially saying, "What are you going to do?" Right. And the answer is, "You're going to do." And that's she essentially said that you're going to do nothing. Now shut up and take my opinion. So see that and needs to change. Right. See, this is the kind of thing where once again the marketplace needs to decide exactly what's happening. Like I had this idea where on campuses that offer humanities, like like you get these degrees and these degrees, a lot of them are, are, are filled full of humanities and stuff that, that you really didn't want to have to take, but had to take in order to get your degree. These are things that don't help you ever in the future get a job. Mm-hmm. Okay. So basically it's money that you're putting out for no particular reason other than to meet the university's standards of, whatever it is, but it wasn't necessary. Well, I'm always for the market deciding things. And that's the thing I've never understood about higher education that you are forced to take class. It's the only time as a consumer where you're buying something and you're buying a portion of something you really don't want, but don't have a choice in the matter and have to excel at if you want to get that degree, which is the only reason that you're going there. Right. So my idea is that you start having the market show that these are classes that aren't affecting at all. You somehow get this information to people that are prospectively looking at colleges. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, other colleges will hopefully pick up the ball and go, wait a minute, we don't have to push this stuff. This has just been traditional. If other people are going to start going to schools that don't push this, see, now the marketplace is deciding we don't have to make these kids take this crap. Because right now, it's it's the tenured professors, the hard left-core progressives, leftists, that have this stuff that want to indoctrinate. Because th- that's the thing. Is it almost like there needs to be a litmus test? It's like, is this a school or is this an indoctrination center? And then you come down with a checklist of what it was, and then you put that list out there to people who are looking at schools. It's like, that's an indoctrination center. That's an actual center of learning. And then you let the marketplace decide. Because ultimately, like everything else in life, money talks and BS walks. So if the schools are now actually putting out, can show that they are. And also, obviously, if you get rid of a lot of this humanities crap that has been shoved down these kids' throats, that's going to mean that those degrees are less as well. I mean, that that the education costs a whole lot less than it would have been. So the marketplace once again decides, yeah, this is where I want my kids to go. And that is how you slowly drown out and kill the, the hardcore left progressive movement on campus. Hole poker. Poke away, please. Well, one, the, the first one that... Master hole poker, sorry. The first one that struck me was that the alumni would not come back and somehow climb aboard the common sense train. Because... All of them? Or would there be a percentage that would? Because I, I think that the vast majority jumping in would not. And it's especially depending on the state that it was in. The states that we're talking about, in particular Wisconsin, just because I'm from there. Right. Okay, well, some won't. New York. Yeah. Well, uh, of course not won't. California won't. The the vast majority of the larger schools that are either not based in the center of America, uh, the ones that are already liberal-leaning, expecting or hoping that the polar ice cap will melt – 
and somehow something brighter will shine through and then take it into a different direction. Those things would have happened ages ago if they were going to happen. And so they're not going to happen. The, the sample would be when someone jumps into a, a collegian experience and they're already left-leaning and they see a bastion of left-leaning policy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is any of the instructors that are now tenured that can't possibly be fired right. and can then soak and, and make new French toast right, right, right. out of what they're oozing. Right. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. I know. Uh, if, if you've ever been in a, in a general public learning environment – as an instructor, you know the allure, the the drug, the, the almost drug-like experience of teaching people something. Yeah. Where you start seeing light bulb moments. It's 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 infectious. It's Right. You absolutely get addicted to it. I get that in my cab all the time when I'm talking to people and I, I start saying things. There's a reason I call myself the Sage of St. Louis. It's not just because it's a nice alliteration. I really do try and teach and expose things, ideas, like items that we teach in our podcast right. to uh, my passengers as well. And I see a whole lot, especially among the younger people, I see a lot of those light bulb movements, right. things that they've well, never, ever heard. And that, that's what I'm saying, though, is that light bulb moments occur very, very often, especially when somebody thinks the way that you do. Mm-hmm. And it's why now as a, as a 40, 48, going on 49-year-old man, mm-hmm. I look back at all of my high school friends. Right. And I'm like, how did I hang with these people? <laughs> and it's not because they're crazy. They're, they're not. No. They're not the crazy left, crazy, you got to no. be kidding me. But they are left. Right. And they are not loony bin. No. They are members, active members of participating society. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, Dr. Mark is a doctor. Right, exactly. He leads forethought in regard to concussion studies inside right. of everywhere that he goes. And... I cannot possibly put him in the crazy bin. Right. But I can put him in the he supports the left where I traditionally don't on almost everything. And so, I, again, I, I kind of go back to it's clear to me that we never sat and talked about politics when I was a kid. Right. Because ne'er the twain should have met ever. In <laughs> fact, <laughs> uh, I, I can't even go down a, a listing of my friends and know back then in the later years of high school into college – how did my friends lean? And I don't know because we never had those conversations. But what you can do though, is you can go and lean on the little things that ebb into community and what events did you go to and what, what did your parents do for a living? Mm-hmm. And now as adults, you can see many of them because I do have many that are grab the wheel and jerk it to the left in the embankment. Mm-hmm. And that that's the fun part of all of it is to see what has happened over these many years, regardless of where they live, right. regardless of where they've gone or what they're doing. Right. You can see that picture painted. Anyway, that gets back to the alumni thing where they wouldn't. They, they, they would want there to be a fairer experience, but especially if it's already leaning left, they would not come in and somehow grab the joystick and turn it in a different direction because, quote, it's more fair. Well, it's like I said, it's about creating a paradigm shift in so many things that we talk about. And in this, I think this would be, once again, a campaign of uh, uh, PSAs that you put out to start to change the way that people look at things, the way that that, uh, that generation looks at things. Right. I had the idea of... Uh, Where would you play those PSAs, though? Because... People, they're still on the radio. They're still on TV. They're still on the radio, but the radio is also another bastion. Again, it's why I've avoided radio for the mm. vast majority of my adult life, even though I'm drifting alongside it, quote unquote, inside of podcasting, yeah. is because that also is a giant bastion of not common sense. 
let's let's go advertise that some that companies worldwide can buy radio time mm-hmm. and have an audience hear it that you and I can sit and and put some common sense to right. and go there is no such thing as a 1.6 million people listening right now and we know it yeah there there is no such thing i, I can't remember what if is, i told what you what is the way then that you okay if you if you absolutely had to reach the largest audience possible how would you do it in regard to what cuz see that this is that the say this ha sage question mm. of who and why you have those two pieces of the general equation and the rest of it kind of falls into place. If the who is... I'm trying to reach the 15 to the 25-year-olds. And I'm trying to get across what it is that we're talking about as far as schools being a place of open ideas. I, you'd have to start with the definition of that. Because as a 15-year-old, trying to remember back when you were 15. Mm, because <laughs> at 15, right. At 15, what did you know about politics? I didn't. Nothing. Okay, well, that's kind of what I mean. Right. We're trying to indoctrinate somebody or tell somebody that there's a different way of thinking when they themselves aren't really sure what the hell's going on. But is this politics or <clears throat> is this just opening your mind to new ideas? Is that political? Absolutely. God, we're just, we're, we're so screwed. We are circling the drain. <laughs> it's sad. It, it, it's something like, it's like I say about our podcast. It's it's, it's not, it's there, beyond politics. It's, it's it's about logic. It's about being but able to. But how is logic political? Right. It's about being able to find the, the platform of discourse where the discord can happen. And even if you get to the end and you go, that's an incredible perspective and I do not share it, sir. That's good. Mm. But we so often don't even get there. And to show you where we're going with that, we can show you the current problem of, quote, the wall versus nobody's going to pay anything for anything. I mean, it doesn't that may as well be in that same category of kids looking at each other, sticking their nose out and waving their their thumbs in their ears because it's exactly the same. The difference is that they're 70 some years old. It's exactly the same. Yeah. Earlier in this discussion, we were talking about Lucy Van Pelt and Charlie Brown. Yes. How do you fix the Lucy Van Pelt slash Charlie Brown relationship if there's always the problem? And that's how Lucy gets Charlie to come on over. She waits there and for five cents you get to talk to her as a psychiatrist. And they go out to the field mm-hmm. and she holds the football and, and Charlie yeah. runs up and takes a, a super kick at it and she pulls it away. So how do you fix that whole problem? Right as you're running up to the ball, tell Lucy, Lucy, over there. And she looks and then you kick. <laughs> it goes a little deeper than that. You just don't go to Lucy. You go okay. to someone else that perhaps maybe understands a little bit more about you. I know that you have known people in the past or maybe you've met them. Mm-hmm. And maybe there was even a, a piece of allure, whether it was platonic or not. Mm-hmm. But after you met them and then you got to know them a little bit more, you couldn't wait to not be around them. Like you don't, you want to create distance between yeah. whomever you've met, whether it's a friend, whether it's a former many girlfriend, customers. whatever. Many customers. Customer. Sure, yeah. yeah. Well, the fix was that you just don't hang with them. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, I really do think that that is a piece of the equation. And not to make us all, you know, the Crips and the Bloods, but not so surprisingly. When, You're talking about the tribalism. Yeah. Yeah. The, when they don't hang together and there isn't potential for conflict, guess what doesn't happen? There's no conflict. There's also no growth. Uh, that's that's true. But let's have you explain growth to, uh, in, again, in the sample, a crip and a blood real quick. 
And there are some that get it. There's no question. We've seen it. Right. We've seen the ones that, quote, get out and then try to go back and educate mm-hmm. and make sure that the next generation is going to have something better than what they had. They're absolutely out there. I can't name a whole bunch of them off the top of my head. Right. Even the ones that have either gotten famous and kind of just blown it off because even they get it's not worth their time. Right. But they don't want to betray the color. Right. That is absolutely out there, and I think that's how I've been able to navigate almost all of my adult relationships with all of my now adult people that I was tight with in high school Mm -hmm. that lean so complete polarity difference when it comes to politics and I. When we go over to their house, I don't generally bring up politics. Mm -hmm. We always talk about something that I guess is a safe topic. Yeah. So that's maybe conversational distance. Mm Mm-hmm. Where I know I'm not walking up to Mark's wife and going, hey, how's it going? How about that Trump? <laughs> I don't, <laughs> that I, won't start any Right. I, I don't hit her in the face with the, with the Trump sandwich, and we have a really good time. They're, uh-huh. they're great people. Right. But they think completely different than I do in mm-hmm. regard to politics, and so it's just something we avoid. Another great sample is the deaf community. We've talked about this a couple times in the show before. Yeah. The deaf and hard of hearing community, without question, the word slant is not appropriate enough it's where there is a big giant left-leaning piece of it Mm. and then there's a sliver Mm. that goes in the other direction on several and it is always a point of contention inside of uh, an argument Mm. if you've never seen a room go from there's nobody having an argument to everybody having an argument it's really interesting when you see it happen with a deaf community oh i bet because it's it, it's it's like a fire. Yeah. You'll see a you'll see a little spark and you'll hear voices get loud, uh-huh. and then you'll see the circle just start to get louder and everybody gets more animated and suddenly the room is full of sound. It's just nothing you can understand hearing it. Right. And a bunch of people screaming at each other in sign language. Right. Wow. So it, it's it, it's in, it's in every single community, regardless of your stance, your political assuasion, your your economic drift, all of it. It's always there. Right. And very often the fix is to just not hang. And my wife and I do that often where invariably, regardless of who we're talking about, Mm -hmm. they'll start talking about, I don't know, their their check Mm -hmm. or they'll they'll start talking about things that they do to help skirt the system. Mm -hmm. And I don't have any time for that. I don't I don't want people to try and educate my wife on how we can skirt the system some more. No. I, I want to work within the vein. I want to make a productive environment for my wife and, and my daughter and yeah. thereby making a productive environment for the rest of the people around me. Okay. And I don't like swimming in the in the stew of, man, it's time to hammer the man so we can get more. Right. That's, I get it. Right. I get the allure. And when you've been doing it your entire life, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you share that knowledge also? I mean, yeah. I get it. I totally get it. Right. I just don't share it. And that's what I think is missing. I, I understand there's a light bulb moment for me when somebody goes, look, I know a better way so that you can actually get more money if you just do these four things instead of doing what you think you should be doing. Right. Okay. That's skirting the system. That's that, that that's not being good. That's wiggling your way through the system to get more of what you probably shouldn't have. Yeah. And when you multiply that by tens of thousands of people in a city – you you get lots and lots of what shouldn't be there. Okay. How does this pertain to what it is that we're talking about as far as... Well, again, is taking advantage of government and government systems to take advantage of it and get more because you can? Is that a piece of left-leaning or right-leaning? If you're trying to take advantage of the system, then that, that would 
I would think left leaning. Okay, I agree with you. Okay, and that. Well, what does that have to do with what it is that we're trying to do on campus, which is basically kill the social justice warrior movement, so that free thinking, free speech are actually taught and encouraged, it, as opposed to what's happening? I don't think that you can, because to do that, you'd have to have a vein of common sense that is that that no man's land. All you that, need to do, all you need to do, is just start a few schools. Down this pathway. When they're all left-leaning already, how do we do that? They're not all left. See, that's one of the things that Professor Hay talked about, is that they were looking at uh, him and uh, his co-author looked at schools that were doing the whole call-out culture thing, the whole reporting on people. Mm -hmm. And it was largely just schools in the Northeast, all the places that you expect, a couple in in, in, uh, Chicago, and then down the, the left coast all the way down to, well, hell, all the way down South California. Those are the areas. For the most part, he said there were 4,500 institutions of learning across the U.S. Most of them will take anybody. It's just the, 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 top, the top ones, the, the, elite, the Ivy League schools, are the ones where this was occurring. But that being the case, fine. 85% of people are still getting their education at public universities. 85%. Public universities are not Ivy League schools. So if you can start it happening... In the schools that aren't Ivy League, and parents are the ones that are largely paying for education, I'm imagining it's still the case, now see that there's a better deal to be had for their kids, you only need to start. Paradigm shifts don't need to be massive people to begin with. It just needs to get going in that direction. Now, that's also happening with uh, um, uh, an organization called Turning Point USA started by a young man named Charlie Kirk. Who's, they're going around on all campuses. As a matter of fact, they just came back from Britain to get Turning Point UK started. And the whole idea is, is that they're trying to get conservative groups and teachers, uh, people speaking anyway, on campus to start with. And they're starting to have some success. Mm-hmm. They just had their first annual meeting uh, in Palm Beach last year. And there was like 3,000 people there from a small spark a fire grows. Paradigm shifts can happen. What you can do right now to protect yourself from these little bastards, uh, I came up with something. Matter of fact, I swear, Mike, I want to get these stickers made. This is an idea for a sticker or a sign to be put on doors of establishments. Warning. This is an establishment of business. We do not condone, practice, or tolerate any form of political correctness here. If you cannot work in such an environment, we advise you to seek employment elsewhere. Unfortunately, you'd have to have a little legal uh, uh, saying underneath saying, basically, we can't enforce this. But you get the idea started. And if that isn't clear enough, I had another one that I wrote. Warning, this is a place of business. We only employ adults, not snowflakes. If you find that offensive, tell your mom we don't care. Or if you find that term offensive, then you most likely are one. We advise you to seek employment elsewhere. Yeah, I know. It's a pipe dream. but it's, So Wade uh, shoots for name calling to fix it. Gotcha. Okay, but the first one doesn't name call at all. I wrote the second one to entertain myself and to entertain the audience. Sure. But, I mean, could you see something like that basically happening? No, Mike, No, I Mike, can't. it's, it's, it's going to have to happen. No. You're getting to the point here, where here's the bottom line. Here's the bottom line. We're sitting in a business right now. Yes, yeah, a And if on, the, if on the door on the front mm-hmm. there, was a, there was a sign like that, one of two things would happen. One, nothing. Two, half the business would not be done here that is. Because you're going to offend one half of something. So is it in a business's best interest to take on the business or is it better off to 
nicks half of the business. Depends on what kind of business it is because I've, I've heard of uh, – What kind of business can sustain losing half their business? Some businesses end up doubling. Like there were uh, cafes that – uh, I remember this was a, sign, a story that got read from last year where they were putting up signs saying that customers could not come in armed or they were discouraged or whatever it was. And then other cafes in that same town said, we absolutely encourage our customers to come in. We're Second Amendment, blah, 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 whatever it is. Their business doubled and tripled. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it can go either way. But you're going to get adults over a certain age who are like, yeah, that's the kind of place that I want to work at. I don't want to. Because there are places, so many places of business now where it's such a stellifying environment. And it's because of the politically correct nature that has just utterly permeated it and it's 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 not a fun productive place to work having having had some experience recently in the last couple of years yeah with not knowing someone's political leanings and not had i known it i probably would have said something about it Mm -hmm. or looked at them differently or treated them differently just because i knew Mm -hmm. that's why you would never institute something like that. It's why it can't be instituted now. There can't be a checkbox inside of when you walk into a workplace that says, I'm curious, do you lean conservatively or do you lean more liberally? There will never be a checkbox on any application anywhere ever because of that. Mike, that's why the sign is on the door so that somebody walking up can go, oh, I don't want to work here. I don't have, you know, whether you're going right. to admit it to yourself no. or not, I don't have a sense of humor. I've got thin skin Whatever it is. The idea is is that it protects the adults inside. Again, though, here's the sample. If I sell, let's say, postage stamps, Mm -hmm. I don't care which way you lean. Come in and spend your money. Goodbye. Right. That's a different type of environment. I'm talking about... Like I'm talking about like... Here, coffee shop. Okay, so people that come in... No, I'm not thinking customer service in this instance. What I'm thinking So what are you talking about then? I'm thinking about like an advertising firm or some kind of a corporate type business. Where it, where where well, let's take it. Oh, let's, just... let's use your sample because I, I mean I don't get it. Okay, so I'm an advertising firm, and especially the way the volatility works inside of an advertising firm, there would never be any benefit whatsoever to go. Hey, we're a way more liberal advertising firm uh-huh. because you instantly nix half of your business. But wait a minute, what is that? What does liberal and not being politically correct have to do with it? See, once again, why does that enter into? I, I guess it's. I guess it's one of those things where people need to truly understand what politically correct is because now it's just a buzzword and people just think it just means I can't talk about whatever it is that I want to talk about. People, we're going nowhere with this. Well, hold on. I'm thinking of several businesses right now Uh leaning both ways. Okay. And inside of those businesses, if someone were to walk in and say, I am, insert lean of whatever, Uh they would have trouble either getting a job there or holding a job there. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's not spoken about. There are places I'm aware of right this second. When you walk in, it politics is verboten mm-hmm. because of what would happen in the, the ensuing discussion. And so, again, that distance that I was referring to when you just when you need to be there because everyone wants a paycheck. Yeah. But if the ensuing discussion then means you either get fired or there's a fight or you don't get a fair shake in the next promotion or so-and-so gets a promotion before you do, even though you're doing more work. Mike, this is one of those times again where you have just... <laughs> you asked for you asked for a whole cratering. book. Here's your whole book. Yeah, God. I'm looking at Swiss cheese right now. Okay, people, obviously, Mike and I, 
I think something's possible and, and Mike is like tossing the cold water of reality on me. Or, or maybe he's just a complete pessimist. I, I don't know. I've jerked the football out from underneath yeah, the, Wade the Brown's football, foot. The rug, the ground, all of it. <laughs> We'd absolutely love to hear your opinions on this. If you think that there's a possibility that this could actually happen on campus. Or if you like my idea of stickers, because if I get enough people on that, I'll make the stickers up and sell them. I guess that is it. Everybody stick around. We've got so much more Wade Sense. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment. Real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Take the usual podcast hosts and you'll stay in expensive wonderland. Take the podcast matrix hosting and experience a completely different world of podcast hosting. What is the podcast matrix Make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. The one question every podcaster needs to ask themselves is, why am I still editing my own podcast? We all know that editing your own podcast is the worst part of the podcast experience. Get the editing off your plate and reclaim more time to make more content with the Editor Core. Affordable, talented, experienced podcast editors are ready to take your podcast literally to the next level to make it soar. Make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com. And we are back. Without a doubt, one of the greatest time wasters and also <laughs> probably the most amount of fun when you've got nothing to do or when you've got something to do and you're trying to avoid it would have to be YouTube. In our section of YouTubery, I know that I, I have so much fun picking out selections for. It's funny, YouTube is like, it's either really informative and you gain something from it, or it's just kind of a semi-pleasurable waste of time like pawing through a pile of the National Enquirers. This is one of those times that I think that I actually really gained something from it. There's a group that I came across called Against the Brass. I'm not much for hip-hop. I've never been. I think Mike leans more that way than I do. But there was one group that I absolutely loved from the first note that I heard, and that was Rage Against the Machine. Sure. This group and against what category have you put them in? Hip-hop. They said they put themselves in hip-hop. Okay. I, uh, I think it's closer to rock, personally. Okay. Rock or alternative, whatever the hell you want to call it. But anyway, uh, group, this group, uh, Against the Brass, is exactly what it sounds like. It's a whole section of brass instruments. You've got everybody from tuba to saxophone to trombone, all the brass instruments. And at the same time, you also have the traditional uh, guitar, bass, and drums on top of it as well. 
and they've got different singers that come in, but they're covering Rage Against the Machine tunes. They're covering Tool. They're covering uh, Audio Slave, groups that are along that vein. I, I haven't even had a chance to listen to all of them yet, but I'm just hooked. I've been listening to it over and over again. So that's my first selection. Mike? My first link is a link over to someone that we've talked about a couple of times, but it was because of the movie Bumblebee. Are you familiar with the movie Bumblebee yet? Is that one of the ones from the Transformers? It is about Bumblebee from the Transformers, yes. I haven't seen it yet, but go ahead. Okay. The gist is that the movie was good. For those of you that have any interest in the Transformers, you should go and see it. They were actually the, really cool movies, I thought. This is a this is a complete departure. <laughs> oh, all right. It includes a couple of different things that were included inside of those, but it stands alone on its own. The, the flavor and the feel of it is... It's just right. Okay. It, it's they they've hit it dead on. Um, they've also given a, a girl that actually has some smarts inside of it, which also is a giant step up. Anyway, inside of there is Bumblebee. Bumblebee is the lead robot character. The the, the, the cartoon the, of the group. The or the, car, the 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 comic relief of the group. Uh, no. 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 That, that's that's anything about what happens inside of the Transformers movies that I like a lot is that. It's not about comedy and it's not about comic relief. It's about there's an actual character that's developed. And okay. inside of this film, they absolutely developed the character of Bumblebee to show you even more of the original flavor that you should have from watching the cartoon and watching it carry over into the silver screen. Oh, okay. Well, so I never watched the cartoons. That wasn't my era. Okay. It's, it's an excellent graft from what you saw to what should have been originally and wasn't okay unfortunately but anyway i don't want to spoil anything about the movie it's okay. it's very good my focus though is on a guy named odin and odin makes is the name of the the channel on youtube and okay. inside of odin makes inside of one of the most recent incarnations he makes the bumblebee helmet head oh out of uh foam yeah. and plastic uh-huh. and a bunch of other stuff that he's got Right. And it's just, it's incredibly well crafted. I look at it as someone that likes to create things and I'm just in absolute awe because I, I, I don't have the handy creative part. Yeah. I've meddled in that over the years, especially say 20, 20 plus, 25 plus years ago. And I, I didn't abandon it, but when I did abandon it, I, I went digital and I do a lot of, almost all of my stuff in computers right. where all my stuff is created now. Uh-huh. And it's, it's fun to watch because out of nothing, comes something that is astounding looking for just plastic foam and paint. Yeah. And, and I love it. We'll link it up inside the show notes so that you guys can all marvel at it as well. Hollywood Magic is cool, the stuff that, that they can create. It's funny when you said that I, I did something when... Well, that's the thing, too, is that it's not Hollywood. This is some dude with a makeshift shop in his back. Oh, he isn't making his... this for the movie. He just made this yeah. on his own. Yeah. Oh, and okay. And it's made out of... The stuff you go into a, a, a yoga place and right. look, it's a yoga mat, except now it's not a yoga mat anymore. It's the the helmet head of Bumblebee. Oh, and I'm like, wow, you oh, got to be kidding me. I That's can't awesome. wait to look over and watch that. Yeah, it's good. My other selection was, and I was just telling, talking about this early in the program, uh, the comedian Patrice O'Neill. This is uh, the top 55 Patrice O'Neill moments in a tough crowd. And this is from the show Cellar Crowd. Do you remember Cellar Crowd at all? Cellar Crowd, Cellar Crowd would have been, I'm thinking, the late 90s, early 2000s. Okay. And it was just awesome. Because picture this. Try to imagine this now in this, this ridiculous age that we live in now. This was something that actually was on network TV, if I remember correctly. It wasn't HBO or anything like that. Mm-hmm. 
there were comedians of different backgrounds, different ethnicities, men, women, and Patrice O'Neill was one of the comedians on it. And everybody is just giving each other shit, and there's no holds barred. And at the same time, they're riffing off of uh, news items that are news of the day and things like that, because they're talking about Osama bin Laden being captured and things like that. So you get an idea of what about era, what it was. But Patrice O'Neill was, I, just like I said, I've just recently rediscovered him, and he was a comedian of such brilliance, of such insight, of such, he was such a beautiful guy, but he said something once, and the best way I can put it is this way, I can understand the language, but I can't speak it yet. He said that his idea of comedy was that you look out into the audience, and when he could look out into the audience and he saw 50 people that were laughing hysterically, tears running down their cheeks, and the other 50% have got a horrified look on their face, he said he knew he'd hit it. That was comedy. Yeah. And and I totally, totally get that. I have a appreciation of the dark side of, of comedy as well. Things that are just so awful and you have find yourself laughing at them anyway. But this was a selection of just 55 moments where Patrice O'Neill just nailed it. Another comedian, even a producer in, in, in the audience, whoever it was. It just nothing was held back from the guy. And I just I love it. And I love that time. And I wish to God we could. Get, I, I put it on Facebook. I said, can we please get back to this time when you can make fun of anybody for everything or anything? I, I can't wait for uh, our audience to go over and link over and, and watch it. It was a beautiful time. I replayed it a few times. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, I agree with the comedy stuff. I, I continue to find Sam Kinison yes. an energizing force who oh obviously my, oh God, he was hilarious. would have about five minutes of fame in today, today's atmosphere. Yeah. It's so you know, sad. The, him, and, uh, him and Andrew Dice Clay both. Yeah. Who now, uh, obviously Sam is dead, but Andrew Dice Clay has moved on with a career of still kind of offending people, but right. just being on the periphery of pop culture. Yeah. Yeah. It's is really, yeah. And it definitely doesn't have the same, the same panache, the same, where I've seen him a couple of times, it's not been the same. Yeah. It just clearly is not the same. That era, unfortunately, is gone. For now, anyway. So, Wade, do you remember the feature film Flash Gordon from 1980? Yes. I do remember. Good. What do you remember from it? Um, I remember of of course the song Flash Gordon. I mm -hmm. remember that that goofy spaceship. But the thing I remember is the stump and the creature in the stump. When you'd put your hand in as the mm -hmm. test of bravery. Yep. And then if the creature saw felt your hand, it sting it and you mm -hmm. die of madness. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the other guy in that particular scene? Oh, oh, what was his name? He was in a few things. He was also in the Rocketeer. Um, you're talking about the the prince that was the villain, right? Yes can't remember his name, but I can remember his face. Not in the Rocketeer, but he was a 007 agent. No, he was also in the Rocketeer. He was, was he? the guy that he was the guy that was the Hollywood star that was the actually, I think he was supposed to be a takeoff of Errol Flynn, and he was the secret Nazi sympathizer. Interesting. I don't remember that of Timothy Dalton, but I'll be sure to look it up. Yep. Go okay. ahead. Anyway, Timothy Dalton is in that. Uh, again, Sam Jones is in that. And the reason we're talking about it is because I found a wonderful channel called the Minty Comedic Arts Channel, hosted by a guy named Minty. It's this little... <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he's Australian, I think. He talks about all of these super wheelhouse classic films. So, okay. 10 Things You Didn't Know About Total Recall, 10 Things You Didn't Know About The Crow, 10 Things You Didn't Know About Flight of the Navigator... 10 Things You Didn't Know About He-Man, 10 Things You Didn't Know About Labyrinth, 
and he hits all these wheelhouses things and 10 things about each of them. Oh, I could get lost in oh, that. Oh, and they're, they're spectacular. I had them just playing behind me as I was building this huge project that I'm working on currently. Uh-huh. And he's phenomenal. The one that struck me the most, though, and not so strangely, it's because of that soundtrack. <laughs> that the soundtrack, soundtrack is absolutely phenomenal inside yes. of that. And again, it's not just the Flash theme song. It's the whole thing. The call, the uh, the call for the the Hawkman, the Hawkman, yes, the, the Hawkman call inside of that is just absolutely phenomenal, and I mean I can hear it echoing out of my my ears right now. Uh-huh. Uh, all of the characters inside of it were way over the top. Oh yes, but the stuff that he comes up with, none of which I will spoil here, are all tremendous, and everybody should go and look at it inside of YouTube. Let me ask you a question. Now you said that they were because I I vaguely remember seeing like black and whites of the original Flash Gordon when they did uh, Dick Tracy mm-hmm. and they tried to be as close as possible to the comic. Do you think they did as good a job as they did with Flash Gordon going from I, one to I the... don't know that you can compare them because we're really talking about apples and avocados. Uh, they happen to start with a. Uh, yeah. Okay. I, guess I, so. I get where you're going where they were both classic television films. Yeah. The, the, the take of what they did with, Flash Gordon, not really. I mean, they've got the look of some of the characters, but, okay, Flash is a football player? No. He was a polo player in the original oh, original I classic that. film. I yeah. forgot that part. Okay. Okay, so, it, was no. just, it was just something And then what was... what was the other one you mentioned? Oh, Dick Tracy. Yeah. Dick Tracy, I don't know nearly enough about the classic comic, and that one they did go super hardcore in all in. Yeah, because remember the there was a special thing they did about and, the coloring, just yeah. like in the comics? And there's about a decade almost a decade more of special effects knowledge that's available for dick tracy because i think dick tracy was 88 oh you're right yeah it was later yeah that it was, was later. almost it was almost and it did have a great later. cast I, I i love distant hoppin playing uh print face or whatever yeah yeah i mean uh, there's there's a bunch of great casting choices in that it's just a terrible movie i mean it's <laughs> it's not good no it wasn't there's nothing good inside of that movie in, in particular warren warren Beatty, who yeah uh, really? Yeah, really. <laughs> of the guy we're going to cover let's, up. Let's have a two-dimensional character yeah. play a two-dimensional character. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's incredibly apt. That's totally well said. Okay. Anyway, we're, we're curious what you guys have found on YouTube this last week. Let us know what you think by going over to our website. That's wadesense.com. Just look at sounds. And let us know what you think. Dummy Codes is something that it's so hard to... Watch the news or be on Instagram or Facebook or God anywhere and not find something that you've got to comment uh, on on dummy codes. Dummy codes are, in my mind, they were supposed to be laws that were put in place to protect us from other idiots. But it's kind of devolved in this thing into just a general look over there at, at that idiot and why do we have to tolerate him type thing. Uh, my choice for dummy codes this time was uh, something that I'd spotted on Instagram and it was normally I wouldn't have really cared, but it, it goes back to what we were talking about, the whole social justice warrior movement where they're starting to eat their own. And in one sense, it's kind of funny to watch. In another, it's just like, God, we're just so circling the drain. This was a pride event, gay pride event that was told that they needed to cancel the drag queen event of it because it might offend trans people. A duh. I just, I just smacked my head. I'm going, you, you, my God, you've, you've got to be kidding me. It's just, it's, it's, it's just the insanity 
of that of that just particular little societal niche. It's 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 like you only have to know a few gay people to know that they absolutely love the whole drag queen thing whether you are lesbian or gay it's something that they'll love to go to the gay bars and and see it's a part of their society and they really are at this point just eating their own because i i, I swear i wish i could have been a part of that that the whole running of the that pride event went you know what sit down and shut up either be a part of the community or you go off and start your own little thing this is just beyond dumb and i know it's kind of a weird thing to comment on but uh it caught my eye, and I wanted to bring it up. Well, and it's funny that you say that they either have fun in the community or go get on their own. That kind of kind of sounds like separation. Who was talking about separation earlier today? Separation. Hmm. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. Now, how is this coming back on me? What? It's not coming back on you. It's coming back on me, i.e., look, you can't tolerate or deal with whomever's over there, so you know what? We just won't hang around them. I don't ah, have any problem with that. That is very true. I don't have any problem with that at all. The problem is that they don't do that, and the cannibalism that you're referring to is almost laughable. Right. Because it, 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 what it essentially becomes is who can be the most offended by someone that is being offended at what you're being offended against? It really is. It really and I mean, it's is. funny. It, it's this little circular argument that never ends until right. you need to somehow get some sleep or something. It, it just it, that, is, that is absolute insanity. I totally agree with that. Yeah. My dummy code is generated. Thank you to the mouths of our local police department. Okay. Which is good. Yeah. Note that I said generated by, and then the dummy codes ensue from the words that okay. were generated. Okay. The words don't do that were stated four times last week, Friday. For those of you that aren't familiar, last week, Friday, St. Louis had. Oh, where we were, 12 inches of snow. Oh, yeah, I was out playing in that. Yeah. yeah, 12 inches of snow in the matter of eight and a half hours this year. So mm-hmm. it was a monumental snowstorm. It was huge. Yeah. And what ensued here inside of the city that we're in, just outside of St. Louis, right, was madness. Because it took me about an hour to get where I sat for two and a half hours, less than a mile from my house. Wow. Yeah. Now, that's the bad part. The good part is that as I was watching it, in fact, it wasn't too far from the studio here, mm-hmm. probably 30 seconds from the studio. Mm-hmm. If you go back out, back behind Denny's and go down the hill to mm-hmm. the bottom of the hill, yeah. there's this squirrely little, little curly Q road that comes back up the hill that mm-hmm. is called Bent Oak Trail, I think. Right. Bent Oak Trail. And inside of Bent Oak Trail is this squirrely, curly Q road that no human should be on. Really, when it's dry and there's no rain and there's no snow on. Wow. But more importantly, when there's a foot of snow on the ground. Right. And so while waiting, I happened to be in proximity where the the crux of that intersection was. Mm -hmm. And as sure as I am a white Irish dude... There were up. There were four trucks that eventually tried it. And uh-huh. Every single one of them, right back down in the ditch. No, in the, oh, ditch, in the all ditch, all of them. Oh, okay. Because they were absolutely determined to get up, and then none of them did. No, not not one of them. They were all giant trucks, and then a jeep. And I'm like, okay, I think after the big giant ass dually truck that can't do it, Jesus Christ. If he doesn't have the footprint to get up the hill, I think maybe nobody does. <laughs> Duh! Oh, God. And, but the the cop was standing there waving, do not go up there. Hey, stop. Flashing his light, flashing it at their windshield. And they just wouldn't, they wouldn't have any of it because they got to get up the hill. Uh-oh. Okay, well, every single one of those four drivers, and I'm certain that there were more. Those were just the four that I was privy to. 
But each of those four drivers, here is your dummy code. Right. And a new transaxle for your vehicles because you're an idiot. Now, this is one of those cases where I could actually almost see a law being put in place. It's like, okay, if you if you do something, and especially a cop is actively right there trying to stop you, mm-hmm. any and all bills that are incurred, the cop's time, the, the tow, anything, destruction of, of, of the ground where you idiot yeah. slid off, you're going to pay for it. Well, and see, then that's what this entire, the outer, the out, the south outer road here. I think I know the one you're talking about. It goes right down by the lake, doesn't it? No. No? We're, we're, no, you can see the lake from where we're standing. Not that one. There's oh. another one that's right right akin to the, the highway that's outside the okay. studio here. Okay. And going down the hill, nobody could get up that hill. Right. It's, it's gravity. Right. And, right. hey, a foot of snow. Yep. Sorry, you're not going anywhere. Right. And as you get to the bottom, it's where you could do something because gravity. Mm-hmm. But nobody could do anything. And so the, the cops are kind of stuck because- you know, where, where do you start triage here? And I thought that this was monumental. I, I, I actually asked him, I said, hey, can I help convey information to these people around here? Because I'm not going anywhere. Right. Do you want me to tell them to, like, pull over to the side of the road? Or what, what, what do you want me to do? Right. He goes, don't worry about it. Just know that everybody should pull over to the sides of the road so we can get the uh, snowplow through. Right. One snowplow. Right. We got to start with one snowplow. Yeah. Oh. And I'm like, well, yeah, that makes some sense. Why aren't we doing that? Right. And that's what I'm talking about in right. regard to the dummy codes. If the dummies that needed the haul ass up the road that can't possibly be navigated could have just understood that sentence and used their trucks that could navigate to go and make sure that people are as far off the main path of the road so that there can be one that's dug. Right. That's what would have worked. And we weren't able to have that work because dummy coats. Right. I completely understand that. I was trying, I was telling people this weekend while I was driving around because I didn't have any issues going anywhere. And I, I'm, I'm in a four wheel drive van, but for the better part of my life, I've had just rear wheel vehicles. Now, truth be told, I lived in an area that was pretty much virtually flat, but if it's slick, it's slick. But like I was telling these people, it's like there's two things that you do when it's this type of weather out. Don't drive fast. You can't drive fast. You're not going to be able to drive fast. Don't attempt it. Two, don't stop moving. If you stop moving, you will be stuck where you are at. Let your momentum carry you forward. But uh, people just want to think that they well, – people you, think they can drive in normal conditions. You, you, they can't. Oh, right. You forget the, the, last, the last law, which is don't go out. If there's any opportunity, well, if you're stuck already no out reason. when the weather hits, oh, right. But if you're not, right, then it's you're an not, idiot. I, one of the things that I was absolutely amazed with, or you're a cab driver, or you're a cab driver, <laughs> uh, someone is having a pizza delivered. <laughs> really? So who's the dummy at the pizza place that authorized this trip? But uh, more importantly, who's the who's the a hole that that it. calls up and orders a pizza in the middle of a, a foot of snow? Really? Somebody who's just doesn't care. Somebody who just is an inconsiderate ass, like you said. Uh, just unbelievable. I have another one. Yep. Real quick, Senator Ted Cruz, and he was talking about this last year. I'm not exactly sure when it was. It was the pre pre bearded Ted Cruz. Anyway, he put forth. <laughs> I think the beard looks good. I, I hope that he keeps it. He doesn't look like quite the weenie anymore. He was pushing something that uh, that he calls the El Chapo Act, and. He was talking about it last fall, and basically it's this that the the, the little the, or the the major drug lord that was Mexican drug lord that was found El Chapo, they figured that he has they caught about him worth fourteen billion dollars, and what he was talking about was taking this money and using it to pay for the wall. 
Now, he was talking about it last fall, and for some reason, nobody caught it. Now he's talking about it again now. I don't know if he's going to have any more luck, but my dummy code is this makes such sense, and it's money that comes from a criminal. Why in God's name would we not use it for our national defense? My dummy code goes out to the people that saw this, were empowered to do something about it, and are ignoring it. And I want to know, what the, what is their reason for ignoring it? A dumb. Is the, and the other side of the dummy code that they didn't want to misappropriate it? Eh, I don't know. Because he, he, here's the gist. We, for the last, at, at this point, while we don't typically date the podcasts, it's now been over three weeks since we've had the government shut down yep. and demand for a wall. The problem is that if you go back to George W. Bush yes, and you look at the documentation and lo and behold, here's $8 billion for a wall. What, what, what are we talking about here? And where'd the money go? Where did that money and go? And so someone that is afraid that something that that Ted Cruz is trying to push through and and make happen might be misappropriated. I don't I don't know that that's not all there to not support. Because while I would definitely like to have however many millions of chapo dollars there are, mm-hmm. the bottom like, line is if it's not going to be spent where it's supposed to be and it's going to be misappropriated again, yeah. then maybe not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. Hopefully if that comes to the case then they'll be able to fast track it to where it needs to go. Yeah. I don't know. All I know is that I'm the more stories that I'm reading, uh, once again, the left is starting to eat itself. And when you got somebody like Cher coming forward and saying that just give the man his money, you people are now in the way and, and, and causing more problems than you're, you're, you're than you're starting. The, the trend is starting to go in the direction where it's, it's actually going to happen. Guys, if you've got dummy coats, if there's something that you have seen that you want to let us know about, uh, bring to the light of day, yeah, please send it to wagesense.com and we will do exactly that. Wisdom of the Ages is a topic that I wanted people to be able to share things that they are brought that we bring up on our program that haven't been talked about in centuries, possibly millennia. This particular piece is one that I found not quite so far back. It would have been about 1973, 1974, by uh, Mr. Bruce Lee. And he stated this, and this really fits our times. You will continue to suffer if you have an emotional reaction to everything that is said to you. True power is sitting back and observing everything with logic. If words control you, that means everyone else can control you. Breathe and allow things to pass. Bruce Lee. And I thought, in this time, in this day and age, that really, really fits the bill. Because people are just responding to things emotionally. No one just stops to ask themselves a question. Why do I feel this way? Why is this this way? Why can't... Let's ask questions before we just immediately start screaming, be offended, and jump to conclusions. And when I saw this, I wanted to share it. I think that's well said. Mine also doesn't come from someone too far removed from now. It's from a guy that played an Italian mobster with heart troubles for six years, who then died of a heart attack in Italy six years after the show ended. It's actor James Gandolfini, who played Tony Tony Soprano. Soprano. Yes. 
Soprano, Inside of the Sopranos on HBO, one of my favorite films, or yes. one of my favorite series, uh, which we are at the 20th anniversary of. How horrifying is wow. that? Wow. Yeah, that'll make you horrified. My Wisdom of the Ages comes from Tony, one of many different bits that he had, that, but this one resonates still to this day for me. You're good. Can you do his accent? No. Oh, okay. Damn. And Tony said, You know, my feelings every day is a gift. It's just, does it have to be a pair of socks? <laughs> and and the, the mad reality of everything Tony Soprano is that, like, he spoke truth. It was his little Fred Flintstone-esque truth. What a perfect way to put it. But it... He he always was so well written, and James Gandolfini absolutely embodied Tony Soprano from day one to the end of days for James Gandolfini. Yeah, and I, it, it's such a great series. I still have Dreams of Avarice that we can somehow find where HBO would like us to revisit it in perspective review and do a review of that show because that would be just epic. Yeah, television it, review. It 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 really really would. Did you ever did you ever go online and see uh, on YouTube they were they, they, they did a report of what the, the the real New Jersey family was like? Apparently they were quite uh, a group of clowns. They, they, they it wasn't nearly the uh, well. I mean, even when you saw The Sopranos, they that group did seem to have a lot of issues. Well, not only that, there's some farce. Oh yeah, yeah, the, absolutely. The, the the whole thing of The Sopranos is that they were incredibly dangerous until they weren't. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and, then, and, and that's what that's what made them fun the mystique of the show is also just you know not not only the what happened at the end but the what could have happened with any one of the characters that they'd made right and man they made some epic characters in that show anyway that's my wisdom of the ages and that's where we ask you guys once again people if you have a bit of brilliance from either your lives or something that you've heard from way in the past please let us hear go to wadesense.com and uh, let us know. Folks, as always, we hope that you have had as much fun listening as we did recording this. I have just one more thing to say, and that's this. You can either make excuses or you can have results, but you cannot have both. My name is Wade B. Olson, and this has been Wade Sense.
it's just the 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 top the top ones, the the elite, the Ivory League, or whatever you want to call them, are the ones where this was occurring. It's Ivy League. What did I say? Ivory. Oh, like like tusks. I. <laughs>